So a few years ago, I was teaching our confirmation class. And our confirmation class is our new members class for students. And this particular lesson was all about the sacraments. And so we discussed the sacraments and how they have a tie to Passover. And there are a lot of historical ties, and it's a really long lesson, but it's a great lesson. So the discussion went a little like this. We talked about Passover, we talked about the plagues in Egypt, and how the Israelites were saved through the final plague that required the sacrifice of a perfect male lamb and the blood that was put over their doorway that actually ended up saving them. Then, next, we talked about the celebration of that event, the Passover festival that the Israelites were instructed to celebrate every year so that they would remember that God had saved them and freed them from slavery in Egypt. Then we talked about Jesus' last meal with his disciples and how the very meal that they were celebrating together was a reminder that they had been saved and freed from slavery in Egypt. And each celebration has a very similar element. There's the sacrifice, there's bread, and there's wine. And then in that last meal, Jesus took the bread and the cup and he gave them new meaning. And I made a point of saying... And today, we celebrate that every month as communion. And then I noticed one of the students had a really puzzled look on his face. And it was like, I nailed it. <laughs> Did you not understand anything I said? And so he said, well, I mean, communion doesn't sound like a party. So I looked at the screen, and it looked a little something like this. And it was like, uh, I never said communion was a party. Where did you get the idea that communion was a party? And he said, well, you keep using the word celebrate. Doesn't that mean it's a party? I mean, you got to admit, he had a point. So I was like, okay, good job. So I had this out-of-body experience earlier in this month when we celebrated communion. And as I said it, I said, today we get to celebrate communion. I flashed back to this moment in confirmation class I was like, what does it mean when we say celebrate? And if communion isn't a party, then what is it? Now, maybe I should have been using exclamation points to illustrate communion, because everything is automatically hyped when you use exclamation points, right? And why use one when you can use seven? I mean, come on, that's just logic. So a couple weeks ago, we celebrated mothers, and in a couple more weeks, we're going to celebrate fathers. We actually celebrate a lot. So I want to hear from you. Go ahead and shout out. What are some things that we celebrate? Thanksgiving, great. Birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas, Easter, love it. New life, graduations, yes. Waking up, yes. <laughs> Have you ever just celebrated because you made it through the week? I do. I don't know. Maybe that's just a me thing. I do. Um, if you're on Facebook, they also celebrate friendiversaries. That's a thing. And they produce a whole video for you, and you feel good, and you're like, yes! We celebrate a lot. But some celebrations cause stress. Would you agree? There's food to prepare, gifts to buy, frantic cleaning right before people come over. Is that a thing? Just me? Okay, cool. There's also the guest list to manage. It's a lot. So add to that our busy and overcommitted schedules. Sometimes we don't feel like celebrating. 
Or sometimes we don't feel like we actually have anything to celebrate. It's easy to get stuck in this whirlwind of anxiety where we feel like we can't celebrate. Maybe we complete one project, or we complete one big event, or one homework assignment, and then we immediately move on to the next thing. And we don't pause and breathe. Anxiety and fear can actually narrow our vision, and then we get stuck. So the question is, how do we get unstuck? Well, celebrate is a curious word in the Bible. In Hebrew, its meaning is tied to keeping watch. So what do we need to watch out for? We need to keep watch so that we don't forget what God has done in our lives. And celebrate occurs most often in the book of Exodus. God actually commands the community to celebrate. God says the whole community of Israel must celebrate this Passover festival. Why? Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. Celebrating actually helps us remember what God has done in our lives. Celebrating helps us remember. God gave the Israelites a permanent reminder that was built into their worshiping lives so that they wouldn't forget. And God has also given us rhythms in our own lives so that we don't forget what he has done on our behalf. Our lives are marked by patterns and rhythms, and you have a rhythm within your own household, whether you realize it or not. I loved watching the show Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, Anybody else watch this on Netflix? I ate up that whole season, like two days. Not ashamed to say that. I loved it. I got sucked in. Ultimately, it is a show about people who feel stuck, right? They feel stuck with their stuff. What I noticed with each episode is people would point to this huge pile of stuff. Maybe it was in their house. Maybe it was in their garage. And then they would sheepishly admit, like, we don't know how it got to be that big just happened. And then Marie Kondo would come in and she would say, the pattern and rhythm of your life has created this pile. Rhythms are pretty revealing. Maybe without realizing it, we've created rhythms in our household that communicate what is acceptable and what is not. Or maybe we have a rhythm in our household that communicates what gets talked about and what doesn't get talked about or what has value and what doesn't have value. So ask yourself this, does your family rhythm include celebrating? Does it include celebrating God? Pastor Neil has changed up our staff meetings. It's really annoying. One new thing we do now is we start with celebrations. What can we celebrate in the last week that God has done what can we celebrate together? I have to tell you, the first time he asked this question, this panic and anxiety rose up inside of me because I was like, you have to say something. Say something, Cynthia. Just, they're going to judge you. Say something. Jesus! I was like, I don't know. I didn't know what to celebrate because I couldn't remember what had happened in the last week. So I like, flipped through my calendars. 
what did I even do in this last week? There were meetings, there was lesson prep, youth group, Sunday school, Bible study, growth group, a lot of meetings. I was like, what can I celebrate? I don't even know. Now we're a couple months into this practice, and it's gotten better. Now I automatically know what to celebrate. And the thing is, I pause now, because if I actually celebrated everything, no one else would get to talk in this meeting. It would just be me celebrating. Oprah Winfrey has said, the more you praise and celebrate your life, the more there is in life to celebrate. The more we create a rhythm of celebrating in our families, the more we will see that there is a reason to celebrate. This is the same for our community of faith. The more we celebrate together, the more we will have to celebrate. The Israelites had a rhythm of celebrating, and they did it right. Some of their feasts and festivals lasted between seven and 10 days. Imagine if Easter was a 10-day festival. I can't, I don't want to. <laughs> that sounds crazy to me. Everyone in the community was present, old and young alike, and they're all sharing common experiences. They're all rejoicing together. Because celebrating is a communal event. It's something we do together. And last month, I went to our first What's Next. There was a buzz in the room when people started to think of all of the things that our church has gone through in the last few years. Our history created this energy because people were so excited about the things that our community of faith is doing. The thing is, we had to put them on the board for us to see them. We have done so many things, and we have a reason to celebrate. We just have to see it. For the Israelites, the feasts and festivals didn't replace worship. They were worship. Gathering together to worship is a way to celebrate. I think the confirmation student who questions communion as a celebration was looking more for the type of celebration that the Israelites had when they got the ark back from the Philistines. So the ark was this symbol of God's presence and glory. And the Israelites actually lost the ark for a number of years. And their community mourned and lamented. It was a huge deal because they were losing their physical reminder that God was with them. It was a huge blow to their community. So you can imagine the party that they had, the celebration that they had when they finally brought the ark back to Jerusalem. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And when he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. And then all the people returned to their homes. Now this is a party. It includes food, dancing, singing, instruments, music, blessings, and even party favors to take home. So you know it's a party. There's a sense of unashamed extravagance in this celebration. No expense has been spared to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. So I started thinking, what would this no expense spared type of event look like today? I have an idea. So in America, the average wedding costs $33,000. Weddings are huge celebrations. And actually, we have to say, Pastor Neil is not here this weekend because he is celebrating his daughter's wedding. And so we wish them well this weekend. But weddings are huge experiences and expenses. And I get lost in those shows where the bride goes to find her dress. My favorite people are the people who go in and say, I have a really small budget, just $12,000. It's totally fine. I get so excited, I'm like, I am here for this. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. I really struggled to come up with the male equivalent to this spending. So I will fully admit, I came up with some ideas. What do you think? What's the male equivalent to that extravagant expen- spend spending? Anybody? Did I get it right? Great, cool. Yeah. Awesome just like to know. I just want affirmation that I nailed it, so thank you. The Israelites celebrated without restraint because they were grateful for the presence of God. Because at its core, celebrating is a way to express gratitude. The Israelites could celebrate and dance. They could worship God because the return of the ark meant that their life had started again. God's presence had returned to their community, and God was with them, and they could see it. And the lavish nature of this celebration is similar to the party a father threw when his son returned home. Jesus told a parable about a loving father who welcomed his son home, even after his son had squandered his inheritance. The father was so excited to see his son returning that he threw off convention and he ran down to meet him. He instructed the servants to kill the fattened calf for a feast. They had to celebrate because his son was considered dead and had returned to life. He was lost, but then he was found. The Israelites and this loving father, they had a reason to celebrate because something that was lost was returned. In the New Testament, celebrate is most often translated as giving thanks. In fact, the Greek word for communion, which is Eucharist, it means thanksgiving. So why is communion a celebration? Communion is a celebration because it's a chance for us to remember what God has done through Jesus Christ and to be grateful that through Jesus, we are no longer lost. The ark was a physical reminder that God was with the Israelites, and we too have a physical reminder when we take the bread and we dip it in the cup during communion. 
Now that's all good and well, but every party has to have a party pooper, just like the law of planning parties. Celebrating is great and everything, but first we have, to, we have to go through the obstacles that get us stuck. So now God gave the Israelites rhythms of worship and celebration because God knew that they would forget. Forgetfulness gets in our way of celebrating. So let's be honest, it's just us here. Have you ever forgotten to celebrate someone or something? Like, maybe you forgot an anniversary, or maybe you forgot a birthday, maybe you forgot Mother's Day, to which I want to say, how did that go? <laughs> you can tell us later. So let's say you forgot your wedding anniversary. Do you think your spouse noticed? Maybe. Maybe. There's another party pooper that we need to address. Because we tend to be forgetful people, God has given us rhythms Space set aside with margins. We have times to work, and we have times to set aside those tasks and come together for festivals and worship. Our busy schedules can be a downer for us if we never pause to breathe. So let me ask you, do you feel stuck? When was the last time you celebrated? Celebrating gets us unstuck Because celebrating is a conscious effort to remind us that there is a bigger story out there, and God is at the center of it. When the lost son returns home, his father is overjoyed. But there's someone in the story who is not as happy about his brother returning, and it's the older brother. He didn't think his younger brother deserved a party to celebrate his reckless behavior, So when the older brother comes home and he sees a party is going on, he refuses to go inside. I don't want to beat up on the older brother too much because he made some really valid points. He never ran away. He did everything his father wished. He faithfully stayed. He worked hard day in and day out. He never paused to celebrate with his friends. So why should his brother get a celebration for doing nothing. When we set aside our tasks in order to celebrate, we are communicating a sense of worth for the person that we are celebrating. For the father in this story, his younger son was worth it. God has poured out his love for you because you are worth it. You didn't do anything to deserve it, yet it's there. We have a reason to celebrate and give thanks. And in the story of the Israelites moving the ark back to Jerusalem, there is another party pooper, and her name is Michal. She was the wife of King David, and when she looked out her window and saw David dancing in the streets, she had contempt for him and despised him in her heart. Now, we know David wore a priestly garment, and it's possible totally possible that that didn't cover everything it needed to cover. It's totally possible. It's also possible that McCall didn't like that King David, her husband, was behaving in a way that reflected poorly on his status as king. 
And I imagine that if Queen Elizabeth had started dancing and leaping around at Harry's wedding last year, Twitter would have blown up, right? Because we expect something different from the queen. People can see you. <laughs> McCall, for some reason, wasn't part of this celebration. She was removed from the community. She, like some of those people in the crowd, watching that guy dance, she judged David. Maybe her expectations got in the way. Maybe her pride kept her restrained. Our pride gets in the way of us letting loose and celebrating. David's enthusiastic dancing, his jumping and leaping, were a reflection of his untethered celebration for the Lord. No one else. David broke convention and danced with total abandon. I mean, when was the last time you lost yourself in a joy-filled moment like David? Our pride keeps us from wholeheartedly celebrating before God. And I think we wouldn't worry so much what other people thought if we realized how seldom they do, how seldom they think of us. We have a reason to celebrate. So I want to return to confirmation. I love confirmation. It is so fun to talk about our core beliefs with students. At the end of each confirmation class, students profess and claim their faith as their own. And then the whole class joins in worship for a special ceremony that marks their entrance into the family of faith. It's a wonderful milestone in the life of any believer when they profess faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as the students stand on the stage, we ask the congregation to stand with them. And the congregation vows to care for, to nurture, and to pray for the faith of each student. This is a picture of the students from the 2012 confirmation class. Some of them have already graduated, and some of them will graduate in the next couple weeks. As the school year draws to a close, we have a reason to celebrate. And it's not just because we made it through the school year, although congratulations for doing that. <laughs> we celebrate because we remember our vows to our students. And today we actually get to commission our high school seniors into their next phase of life, graduating from high school. For seniors gathered, this is not goodbye. This is merely welcome to the community as an adult. If you're a senior, I would love to welcome you to the stage now.